Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Will you please be reasonable? In God's eyes, exactly what is a reasonable service? What does the Lord expect from you and from me, the faithful? We're going to answer those questions in today's episode on the Faith for My Generation podcast. Good morning. This is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 086. Please be reasonable. Wow. We're pretty close to 100. We're going to hit that real soon, won't we? Hey, I want to go to Romans chapter 12 and read verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I tell you what, at least in my life and in my personal journey with the Lord, uh, these two particular verses have been verses that I've read, studied, and heard others teach and talk about a lot. It's a pinnacle point in the book of Romans. If you've ever studied through the book of Romans, the book of Romans is a powerful New Testament letter, as we call epistle, which means letter. In the book of Romans, it's 16 chapters. The first 11 chapters are doctrinal in their intent. Chapters 1 through 8 very much so go through many different types of doctrines uh, of salvation, uh, doctrines of faith, um, repentance, um, different topics through the love of God in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 6, sin, the doctrine of sin, uh, Romans chapter 7, the old man versus the new man, uh, being led by the Spirit, um, faith, uh, Romans chapter 5, when we receive Christ, we have peace with God. And it talks about that substitutionary work that Jesus did for us and when we put our faith in Him, how we, by the Spirit, by faith, when He died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he's resurrected, so are we. And the self-same spirit makes us alive unto him. And so there's so many powerful truths all through the book of Romans. The first eight chapters deal with that doctrine or simply what you and I believe. Chapters 9, 10, 11 have a lot to do with the people of Israel and how God dealt with them. Romans chapter uh, 10, of course, has those powerful verses in there about how to receive salvation. When you believe in your heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God, confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you're saved. And it goes through much uh, of the dealings of God with Israel and how that works with us as well, the new covenant people. Then you hit a pinnacle point in the book of Romans, and it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. There's a shift. And this isn't uncommon in how the Holy Spirit ministered through the Apostle Paul. You see it in the book of Ephesians as well. The first three chapters in the book of Ephesians are essentially doctrinal. This is what we believe. This is who God is. This is who we are. This is what happened when we were saved. This is what salvation means. This is how we pray. This is how we have faith. This is how we win people to Christ. This is how we live. And then you hit Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians has six chapters. 1, 2, and 3 are doctrinal. 4, 5, and 6 are practical. One, the book of Romans is pretty much the same. Chapters 1 through 11, doctrine. Understanding. The knowledge of God. It's how we grow our faith. Then Romans chapter 12 through chapter 16, those last four chapters of the book of Romans, shows us how to actually live out our faith. 
so chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, it goes through, you know, chapter 13 um, in the era of 2020 in my nation specifically, but across the world during what we call the pandemic. But in my nation, a constitutional republic, many people use that fear of a virus to manipulate and do very illegal things and uh, abuse constitutional rights of people, shut down churches while leaving strip clubs and beer joints open. Uh, it makes me a little upset when I think about it. But they, a lot of people wrongly use Romans chapter 13. Well, we've got to obey what the government says. That's not what Romans 13 says. I'm going to go on a tangent here for about 10, 12 seconds. Essentially, God created authority. All authority comes from God. And a proper working of a government is that men and women who are in position of power and authority, whether elected or appointed, it is they are under obligation of God to exact justice and judgment against the lawbreaker, period. They, they're not to go in through the nth degree of people's lives and tell them what they can or cannot do, but rather when people commit crimes against other people, that's when the government steps in. But that's Romans 13. 14, 15, 16, again, more practical understanding. Romans chapter 14, that last verse, I believe, of Romans 14 tells us, anything done outside of faith, it's sin. You think, wow, that's a huge generalization, but it's Scripture. Anything I do that I do apart from faith, faith in God, it's sin. So that's why it's so real to us when we see uh, Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, he is quoted three different times as Hebrews, Romans, and Galatians, that the just shall live by faith. See, this thing that we're doing, faith in Christ, it's how we live, it's how we move, it's how we breathe. We have our being in Him, and it's by faith that we live. And Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, is that pinnacle point in this particular letter that the Lord wrote to His church. Let's read it. Verse 1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to read it in the Amplified Translation as well. If you're not familiar with the Amplified Bible, it, it does its best to give you the full literal intent of the scripture. Not that any version necessarily doesn't, but the Amplified will give you, if there's a particular word and it has possibly a couple different English transliterations, it's going to give you all of them at one time. In the Amplified version, it says this, Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service, rational and intelligent service, and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. 
Now we can see a lot of moving parts in there, but notice the first thing I want you to see is this. I beseech you, I appeal to you, I urge, I plead, I beg. It's, a, it's, it's, it's the Spirit of the Lord crying out through the Apostle Paul who was moved on by the Holy Spirit to write this down. Yes, he penned it, but God is the author. The, the Lord, he is the author of the Word of God. He used many penmen. You know, the psalmist said, my tongue is like a, uh, the penman of a ready writer. You know, there were many men that yielded themselves to write down the oracles of God. But it is God who is the author of his word. And so the Spirit of the Lord is crying out in the Apostle Paul to hear the first audience that would read this, the church in Rome. But it's the word of God to all people who will have ears to hear. And we do because we're the faithful. We have ears to hear and eyes to see. Amen. So I beseech you, I plead, I urge you, I'm begging you. If there's anything, uh, I'm, I'm asking you to do this thing. And then he says, therefore, brethren. Now, I don't know if Derek Prince, uh, mighty man of God, an Englishman who passed away uh, probably about 20 some odd years ago. But man, you can find so many of his teachings on YouTube if you just search Derek Prince. Great, powerful author, minister preacher, evangelist, and uh, teacher of the Bible. Really solid, solid minister of the gospel. I heard him first say it. Um, he says this, anytime you find a therefore, find out what it's there for. A little play on words, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Okay, so in other words, in light of the truths and the knowledge of God, that has been presented to you in the first portion of this letter for you and I. And today, we have chapter and verse. When it was originally written, it had no chapter and verse, but those were later added when the books of the Bible were brought together as one complete book. Chapters and verses were added so that you and I can do what we're doing. Hey, let's all turn to this one spot and study together. If you didn't have chapters and verses, imagine trying to be somewhere where multiple people all got to the same spot in their Bible. <laughs> uh, I teach a ranger class, Royal Rangers. It's a boys class, kind of like Boy Scouts, but completely spiritually, scripturally based. And we do camping merits and fire, firecraft and all that stuff, but we also do Bible merits. And so whenever we're doing our Bible lesson to begin the class with, uh, all, the, all the young guys have the same exact Bible. So whenever the first guy gets to wherever we're going, like in my Bible, it's page 1,346, they'll say, it's on page 1346. And I'm like, that only works. You guys realize that only works if everyone has the same Bible you have, which in their case they do. Um, but imagine if we didn't have chapter and verse. So here we are. These first 11 chapters, in light of the knowledge of God that's been presented to you by the Word of God, because of these truths, I'm urging you to do something. And the command here, the, what is being urged here, what is being begged of the reader, you and I, to do is present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In light of the truths of God, in light of the mercies of God, it says by the mercies of God, I hope you understand that God is compassionate. God is merciful. The, the Lord has great mercy and compassion toward you and I. He cares deeply for you. It's interesting, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, 
says this, speaking of Jesus, verse 35 I'll read. But then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel, healing every sickness and every disease among them, among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the people, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep who have no shepherd. And then he goes on to tell us how to pray for people to be saved and won. You pray for laborers from the Lord of the harvest. But <clears throat> this, this idea of compassion, we see it's a characteristic of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it should be a characteristic of you and I. So what is compassion? Compassion is that drawing and an agitation of the innermost parts. This is what Reverend Finestake of the Dake Annotated Reference Bible says. It's a drawing and agitation of the innermost parts at the sight of any distressed or miserable object. It causes revolting action in the innermost being to bring deliverance from such unlawful and inhuman misery and suffering. And in the Gospels, this word of compassion, this feeling, this desire of compassion, mercy, is used concerning the ministry of Jesus nine different times. Nine different times we see this idea that Christ is compassionate. It's not just, it's not pity. I hope you understand. It's not just pity. It's not just, oh, well, isn't that so unfortunate? Oh, that's so sad. We're going to have, oh, well, bless your heart. You know, I live in South Carolina and, uh, here in the deep south, that's a state. That, a, st uh, a state. That's a, a phrase that's used a lot. In fact, my wife was showing me a video earlier today that somehow our little, almost three-year-old daughter picked it up. Bless your heart. Well, bless your heart. You know, when people say that around here, oh well, bless your heart. That's a very kind-sounding way of saying, oh well, honey, <laughs> you big dummy. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> oh, well, I can't, you know, it, it's almost like a backhanded <laughs> compliment. Well, bless your heart, honey. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, you big dummy. And <laughs> this is not what we're talking about with God. God is merciful. He's compassionate. He's not, he doesn't pity. Pity looks on someone and says, well, that's unfortunate. Compassion is moved to action. And what we're seeing here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that in light of the truths that we have learned of God, His mercy, in light of the mercies of God, in light of the compassion of God, in light of the, the, the literal inward convulsion and, and not turmoil, but angst and, and desire of God the Father to redeem a people, in light of that, in light of that great, powerful work of the Father, when you think about what the Lord has done for you and I, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is begging us to present, to offer up, to yield our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now this is interesting, the language that's used here. We're to present our bodies is what the New King James says, but literally to offer it up just as in the Old Covenant where the priest and the Levites, they would take the offerings of the people of Israel, lambs, bulls, goats, dove, turtle doves, uh, flour, oil, 
They would drink offerings. You could even pour out wine and, and water as an offering. They would take these offerings, whether they were offerings for sin, the sin offering or peace offering or, or, or different types of offering depending on what was done wrong or even offerings of just rejoicing. When you had children, you know, you dedicate your son or your daughter. You would give an offering of celebration. Not all the offerings were necessarily surrounded around just with sin. Same way with prayer. We can go before the Lord. We can repent of sin in prayer, but we can also worship Him. We can also praise Him. We can also rejoice. We can also fellowship with Him. Same way with those offerings of the Old Covenant. And just as the people of Israel would bring to the priesthood, the priests and the Levites, these animals, to be given, to give their life and pour out that innocent blood to the Lord in an act of worship, in an act of faith, symbolic of what Jesus would do on our cross for our sins. So you and I, we are to offer up our bodies as a sacrifice, but not just a dead sacrifice on a burnt offering, but we are to be a living sacrifice. Shout out to Sifu Jason Coral. We had him on the podcast oh, at this point a year or so ago uh, when he shared it a lot of insight on his book, Christ in Self-Defense. He is a martial art instructor of Jeet Kune Do and Wing Chun and the sweet science of boxing, located in Greenville. And I've been a student of his for several years. Love him. Great man of God. Uh, he, made it, he, he said this. I don't know exactly where he got it from, so I'm going to give him credit specifically because he could punch me and knock me out for three weeks if I don't. So he, he made this statement about a living sacrifice. He said, you know, the dangerous, he said, the terrible thing about a living sacrifice, AJ, is it always wants to crawl off the altar. It's interesting when you think about it. Maybe it's a little gory for you <clears throat> if you're not used to this imagery, but think about it. A slain animal on an offering is lifeless. It's not going anywhere. doesn't matter how hot the fire gets. Is dead. But you and I, God desires us to be a sacrifice, but not a dead one, a living one. Which means that you and I have to make a choice every single day. I'm going to offer myself up to the Lord for His work, for His service, and His will. And that's only reasonable considering the mercy of God and how much he has greatly loved me. It's only reasonable that I give him my entire being. And what a privilege to be a living sacrifice. What a privilege it is to be a living sacrifice. Uh, what a privilege it is to, to give ourselves to the Lord. Uh, it's interesting. You, you can go through the book of Romans, so many different things, but it tells us about the body. We're to yield it to God. We're to make it a living sacrifice. We're to make it holy. We're to make it acceptable before God. Uh, the book of Matthew says we're to make it full of light by the word of God. Uh, Romans 6 tells us we're to reckon it dead to sin, but reckon it alive to God. We're to refuse the slavery of sin. We're to mortify sinful deeds. We're to make a decision to not defile it, 1 Corinthians 3. We're to make it fit for the Holy Ghost as a temple, 1 Corinthians 3. We're to make it free from fornication for the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6. We're to glorify God with our bodies, 1 Corinthians 6. We're to keep it under control, 1 Corinthians 9. And we're to put off sin and its lust, Colossians chapter 2. 
how we carry ourselves, what we do with our body matters. You know, this was actually, this is actually Gnosticism to believe the difference. In the early days of the church, there was a doctrine of devil that was re released. And 1 John 4 talks about this, that there's the spirit of error and there's the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is the Holy Ghost. The spirit of the error is the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Satan, the nature of Satan, who is the lie. He is the father of lies, the Lord Jesus said, and all lies come from him. And so this lie that was dispersed amongst the early church, which is still around today, but it just shows itself in different ways and puts on different masks and wears makeup sometimes and pretties itself up. But Gnosticism is this idea, essentially, and this is a very broad general understanding, but it's good enough for you and me, honestly. It's good enough just to understand what was attacking the early church. And the Apostle John dealt with this in 1 John. But Gnosticism is this idea <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Gnosticism is this idea that if my spirit, if I have faith in God and I live for the Lord spiritually, that's all that matters because at the end of the day, my body, and eh, God doesn't really care. So Gnostics had a faith, quote unquote, air quotes for those that are listening and not watching, Air quotes, they had a faith in Jesus. Oh, yes, oh, I believe in Jesus. Yes, yes, I believe in Jesus. But then they're sleeping around. They're living in drunken, you know, constantly in drunkenness. They're abusing their bodies with the lust of the flesh. They're lying, stealing, hurting, harming, defaming, slandering. They're mean, they're angry, they're malicious. But it doesn't matter. No, no, I have faith in Jesus. You know what? There are people in this day and age, they believe that same way. What, but rather what is creeping in, forcefully creeping in amongst believers in my day and age and your day and age is those people say, well, bless God, we got grace. Oh, come on, we got grace. Thank God for grace. Amen. Yes, thank God for grace. And the grace of God, Romans chapter 6, 14, empowers us not to be under the dominion of sin. Romans 6, 14 tells us that because of the grace of God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law but under grace. Grace empowers you to live above sin, not live in it. Grace empowers you to live above sin, not live in it. And that's what Gnosticism was doing. Oh, it was, it was compromising people. And so how do we live free from compromise? We submit ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. We give ourselves to God wholly and completely, even our bodies. Think about it. How is the Lord going to speak to people on the earth? Well, you might say through His Word. Or you might say, well, by the Holy Spirit. Well, Romans chapter 10 tells us exactly how he's going to do that. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says this, How then shall they call on him, Jesus, in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, whose glad tidings of good things. So, the only way people can believe is they have to hear. And they can't hear unless someone tells them. And no one's going to tell them unless someone's sent. Well, guess what? Who is sent? <laughs> Matthew 28, 
Jesus sent you and me, believers. He sent us, the church, the body of Christ. We are sent forth ones. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You and I are the sent ones, and we have to speak. So yes, the Lord speaks to people through His Word, and yes, by the voice of the Holy Spirit. He even uses angels to lead in God, but angels don't have the privilege of preaching the gospel. That is given to mankind. That's given rather, excuse me, not mankind, to the church, which is filled with redeemed mankind, you and me, men and women, the faithful. It's interesting too, Romans 10, 15 tells us how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. There's not a, in your Bible, it will take you to Isaiah 52 and it will take you to Nahum 1. But in Isaiah 52 and Nahum 1, when it quotes or when it's speaking of that language, it says how beautiful are the feet, the, are, is the feet of him, speaking of Jesus. It's interesting, in the Old Testament version, the Spirit of the Lord says how beautiful are his feet, Jesus' feet. But in the New Testament version, in light of the New Testament, in light of this better covenant, the book of Hebrews tells us, the Spirit of the Lord speaks through Paul. Oh, no, in the Old Covenant, it was one person who had beautiful feet, Christ, who was bringing the gospel. But now everyone who takes his gospel and brings it to people, their feet are beautiful as well. I pray you have beautiful feet in Jesus' name, meaning I pray that you carry the gospel to people. That's how you become a living sacrifice. That's how you are a living sacrifice. You, by speaking God's word, by praying, by laboring with God in prayer. By living according to the truths of God's word, you become a member of the kingdom of God, literally an instrument of righteousness, a weapon of righteousness, Romans 6 tells us. When you live like Christ, you are on the offense, waging war against the devil. When you're leading people to Jesus, you're waging war against the devil. When you're worshiping God, you're waging war against principalities and powers. When you're praying an intercessory, intercessory prayer and praying prayers to build the church and you're actively serving in your church, you're waging war against the devil. And you're being a living sacrifice to God. Now the key to doing this is verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good an acceptable and perfect will of God. Now here is, this is the key. If you want to be a living sacrifice, you're going to have to do something here. The negative is don't conform to the world. So you, so there, there's a thou shalt not, if you will. Thou shalt not conform to the world. But it's not just don't conform to the world, don't conform to the world. I'm not conforming, no, no, no. It's I refuse to conform to the likeness and be pushed into the mold of this world Rather, I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be changed. And how does that happen? It happens by the renewal of your mind. Ephesians 4 shows us how this takes place. Ephesians 4, verse 22, 23, and 24 says this, that you would put off, there's the same negative that thou shalt not, you know, put off, put off concerning your formal conduct, the old man, 
which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, and that you put on the new man. There's the positive, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we put off the old man, we renew the mind, and we put on the new man, which is Christ. And Romans chapter 13 tells us that as well. Romans 13 verse 11. And doing this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So there's a taking off, there's a renewal, and there's a putting on. How do we renew the mind? Through the word of God. John chapter 17 verse 17 tells us, uh, Jesus, he's praying for you and I, the believers that would hear the word of the apostle and follow in faith, praying for his disciples. And it says this, sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. Ephesians 5 tells us that the water of the word washes our mind clean. It washes our mind clean. And we're transformed. We're made new. Metamorpho is the Greek word there. It literally is the word we get, metamorphosis. I've used this analogy before, but when the caterpillar becomes the butterfly, that's metamorphosis. That's the Greek word metamorpho. It means to literally be transformed from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Live the butterfly life <laughs> in Jesus' name. The only time we see that word metamorpho used, it's here, Romans 12, 2. It's in Matthew 17 when Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. He goes up prior to his crucifixion and he is glorified and he literally, he shines with the glory of God. Peter, James, and John see it. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, as we come to a close, it tells us this, as we finish up the podcast episode. On the Faith for My Generation podcast, we're reading 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So how are we going to be this living sacrifice, which is our only reasonable service in light of the mercy of God? It's by being transformed so that we can prove out God's will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. We're going to do it when our mind is transformed by the truths of God's Word. And really, it comes back down to this. It's always this simple. Believe. Have faith in God. As Smith Wigglesworth would say, only believe. Only believe. As Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. See, when you have real, genuine faith in God, it changes you from the inside out, and then you can be a living sacrifice. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm so thankful that you joined me today for another episode on the Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to encourage you to always make sure you can check out on faithformygeneration.com. Every single episode, audio and video we've ever released is there for your benefit. So you can search by playlist, by category, by tags. We're constantly working on that, updating that. And I'm constantly uh, are making the effort to go back through and, and put in the playlist by subject and topic for your listening pleasure. You can also sign up for the email list when we get ready to do some things here coming up in the fall. 
and be able to release some different things. Make sure you follow me on all the socials. And if you're watching and listening to the podcast but not connected to the ministry of Gospel Tabernacle, do that as well. Because oftentimes, the Thursday podcast teaching episodes that I release, uh, you can tell by the flow of conversation, they're actually live streams that I teach. And so I'll teach a live stream to a hundred some odd people between TikTok and YouTube and Facebook, and then I'll cut, you know, edit it down and release it on the podcast for all the faithful to listen as well. Many of you join me on those live streams. If you're not and you would like to join me, please do. You can do it on my TikTok account or Gospel Tabernacle Facebook and YouTube channels. You can find all that information if you just go to gtlarns.com as well. Hey, I'm really thankful for you. Let me pray this prayer as we finish today. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift up every member of the faithful that's watching, that's listening. It is our desire, Lord, to be a living sacrifice. We want to be completely sold out for you. We don't want to leave anything behind, but bring everything we are to the altar of God because you are so kind, you are so merciful, and you are so worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm thankful for you. Hey, be a living sacrifice. Be transformed. Do it by the power of the Word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I know you and I will That is our desire because we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.